Welcome to Hidden Voices with Emma and Francisca. Hello, this is a podcast where we are making this platform available to our own personal voices and those of our future guests to talk about a subject we both feel very passionate about, diversity, equality and inclusion. My name is Emma Lewis and I have had a very successful career in the pharmaceutical research industry but for the past three or three and a half years or so I have worked with Francisca on global diversity and inclusion initiatives. Thanks Emma. I'm Francisca Beloso, DNI Director and Founder of Global Inclusion Studio. I am an MBA and Fellow CIPD, Qualified Global HR Professional with more than 20 years human resources and diversity, equality and inclusion expertise. Um, Emma has just briefly introduced herself at the start of our podcast. And again, this is uh, an opportunity to learn a little bit more about her. I just would like to start saying that Emma and I met at work and we instantly connected as we have so much in common, especially in topics that we both feel very passionate about. Personally as well, I would like to say that Emma has been always for me that person where I felt safe. Um, I could be myself, even if, as I say, I met her at work and and, uh, the context could be different because we are in a professional environment and I was the HR director at the organisation. However, we became friends and now we are very enthusiastic partners on this podcast. So, hi again, Emma. So, I'm going to be asking you a number of questions, although I know you, but this is, of course, an opportunity to get to you even better, especially for our listeners. My first question is, uh, you have been and you still are a very senior um life science professional and you have spent many years in the industry. Why focusing on DNI now after so many years on the life science industry? That's such a good question and 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 thank you for the kind words, Francisca. Um I, I absolutely echo that. I think from the moment we went we met we were called sort of kindred spirits, weren't we? And <laughs> One of the difficulties, I think, of being a senior person in any organisation is having having your allies, really, because you can't talk to your line reports about things that are going on and you may not necessarily want to talk to your manager about what's going on So <laughs> in your life. So it's really nice to have someone that you can absolutely, as you say, feel safe with, that you can have those conversations with. I think I've always had a real strong interest in people. And if I look back over, you know, my life and when I first really started to think about, um, I guess you could say equality, Um, you know, I I, I grew up in Wales uh, in a really small rural village. And, um, you know, there were lots of things that I wanted to be able to do, like I wanted to play rugby and I wasn't allowed to play rugby <laughs> and I couldn't understand why. <laughs> yeah, why? Why couldn't I play that? I'd watched it Excuse since me? I was, <laughs> yeah, I thought I actually thought I can play better some of the, than some of those men. Um, so, <laughs> so I thought, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Why can't I do that? Um but I had a really supportive family. So I was really lucky that my dad was such a great role model for me, actually. And he really encouraged me into sciences and he really encouraged me into pursuing an education and pushed me towards, you know, 
doing um, academia and and getting involved in in things that I was interested in. And a, a slight aside is that my mum my mum was a nurse, my sister's a nurse, her husband's a nurse, my grandmother was a nurse, my aunt's a nurse. <laughs> so in my family we have a lot of nurses, but I I just did not want to work directly with patients. So coming into life sciences was a really good way for me to take my love of um, biology and take my love of the sciences and do it in a way that was, I guess, use my skills, um, you know, strongly because I was somebody who liked to talk, as we know, I'm very good at oversharing. <laughs> and um, if you know me, you know everything about me usually. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know nothing wrong with that, right? <laughs> but the, that as was far the... as your decision. <laughs> Yeah, and I've always been quite an open person, but I've always, you know, been quite good with interpersonal skills. And um, because of that, I think going into, I came into as a CRA into into the into the industry, and um, because of of my experiences of being in a nursing family and my science uh, degree and my interpersonal skills, it was a really perfect job for me. Um, but this love of I guess equality or this th thinking about equality has always been there and um, I've always been really just really interested in people and people's stories and I have this really strong sense of fairness and I guess that must have come from my parents um, but I've always had this really strong sense of what is fair and I could never understand why it is that you know in my case you know I'm a white woman why is it that a man can have an opportunity that I can't have you know, it should be about who is the best person for the job. Um, and I come from a place of privilege. You know, my parents were working class, but by the time I was born, they were sort of middle class. They were, you know, I, I, I didn't grow up in poverty. No. I was able to go to university. So, you know, I yeah. I did have to work while I was a child. You know, I did, <laughs> did work. Um, but we weren't poor by any stretch of the imagination. But when I went to university... I met lots of people from lots of different backgrounds. And as I've gone through my life, I've you know made lots of friends in different areas who've got really different circumstances to me. Um, and it was a real eye opener for me, actually, like how much discrimination there really still is in the world, mm. whether that is because of the color of your skin, your gender, your sexuality, um, your accent, the way you speak, your education. There is still um, a lot of discrimination in the world. And that really plays on my sense of fairness you know mm. I I really don't understand why someone isn't considered equal to someone else you know everybody has something that yeah. they bring their unique self that they bring and should be able to to be able to do that in the workplace but as I've gone through that journey um you know, I've and I've had loads of conversations with people at work you know <laughs> we've done all the training together we've you know we've we've trained on diversity and inclusion we've done unconscious bias training and um, through the women in leadership program that we worked on together you know I've spoken to a lot of women and it's amazing how much masking goes on really in the workplace still people not able to be their authentic selves because of discrimination that's, that's there and actually you know we're, we're in the UK we're quite an open um, country I think we're quite a tolerant society but we've got 
you know, colleagues all over countries. the world. Exactly. Yes. It can be so different. And um, that was a really big eye opener for me. Um, and I guess, you know, from a personal point of view, we started working together on activities. You know, um, we were part of going to the, the, the Thames Valley LGBTQ network. Um, we were, we were, we both attended the um, Employers Initiative on Domestic Abuse. You okay. know, we started doing these activities together and it really, I thought, um, you know, in the workplace, when I, like, I guess, go back a little bit. When I came into the workplace, you kept your work and your home life really separate. Mm. You know, That's you right. didn't talk talk about what was going on at home. No. You didn't, like, if your child was ill, you know, I would never have phoned in and said, I've got childcare issues. Just um, in fact, I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you you wouldn't want to be labelled in that way. And no, I, I remember one exactly. And on that basis, I mean, I have to admit, as an HR person, I used to say, my <laughs> my typical thing is like, oh, you don't come to work to my friends, you come to work to work. Which I had to admit, probably is um, you know, I changed my mind about that because yes, that's true. However, then you don't bring yourself, you know, your authentic self as you say, um, and therefore, uh, if we are talking about giving that space and feeling safe, how we are making the people feel safe if they cannot bring themselves to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I remember when I had my first daughter, which is 20 years ago now, um, <laughs> I think in that first week or two back after maternity leave, she was, she was sick. Um, and of course, mm-hmm. you know, everybody who's had children knows that as soon as they go to nursery or childcare, they catch That's everything it. under the sun and then you catch it. But she was ill and I was in a meeting and I was with the VP of the business unit I was working for and someone knocked on the door and said, oh, Emma, there's your, your child mind is on the phone. Your daughter's not well. And I was mortified. I was mortified oh, no. that in front of the VP that this had been called out. You know, this person could have said, um, oh, you, you've got an urgent phone call and just left Can it you out. Step out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, things have moved on a lot. You know, I don't don't of feel course, that. It's different. It is. It is different now. We're in a different place in society um, and, diff- you know, people want different things in the world, you know. The, the old sort of style workplace where it was very much don't bring yourself to work has changed and it is more about authenticity now. And I know myself when I can be myself and not have to worry about covering up um, who I am, then I can be more productive. I can be more, okay. um, I'm happier. I'm just happier, you know, I can be myself That's in the workplace. And, yeah, totally. Yeah. So, yes, that's a very roundabout way of talking about why I'm interested. No, but it's in great because it brings it brings a lot of uh, interesting topics there that it probably will give us subjects for many other podcasts. Emma. So, <laughs> I've already making a mental note of that. But I just wanted to build up in some of the things that you have mentioned and on the uh, on your answer, which is. Why, you know, from life science into DNI, and for me, what it comes there is again people being at the center of what you do, and and is that through the way the you know you are starting professional and moving to DNI it doesn't really matter what we do at the end of the day. It's still working on people, people keeping the people at, at the center. Also, you're talking about quality and so forth. But what I would like is that. Uh, you know, to build on what you say, because we've been talking a lot about quality and, and discrimination is 
what that is really inclusion fake life for you you know not what it is is exactly for you because you are talking about bringing your authentic self i think it's important to understand what does inclusion fit like for you well i think to answer that question i'm just going to go back slightly to the life sciences thing because mm -hmm. during covid it became very clear that there are massive healthcare disparities um in the world even in you know um you know western countries like the us and the uk right. there is mm -hmm. still a huge disparity between the healthcare that people receive based on socio socioeconomic reasons but also the color of their skin so one of the one of the things that has really come to the fore within the industry is that we need to make uh, have a better way of including all different types of patients into clinical trials and you can only do that and really really I think you can only really understand how to work with people if you have experience of being part of that community. So it means we need in organisations to have a really diverse people in organisations. So um, it's really important that we do. Um, and talk, thinking about inclusion, like if you join a company and you you know it's it's, it's great isn't it? it's, it's it's exciting somebody's given you an offer you feel really lucky to have received mm -hmm. a job offer hopefully you're excited about joining the company and if you get there and then find that actually every time you speak up somebody puts you down or every time mm. you have an idea people dismiss it or you don't get invited into meetings or you don't get invited into discussions exactly yeah you then don't feel included and if you don't feel included then you're going to go you're going to leave you know exactly you, you've got to feel part of that and and I've had a much easier ride of that you know because I am white um I have had experiences of being excluded from male meetings um mm -hmm. you know because of my gender but luckily we work in an industry or I work in an industry where it's very female orientated and dominated so although less. not at the senior levels not at no. the senior levels though that's all the way in falling away no and senior <laughs> and that's you know as you know from the job we did is uh, uh there's still a huge gap on uh, uh gender representation and senior leadership groups so even in the industry you say quite rightly there are more female representation, but fun enough, they get a stop at a certain level in the career ladder. Why is that? You know. So what is there stopping them? And maybe uh, the answer, sadly, is in some of the things you have described uh, uh, on your responses now. Yeah, and and you know, I, you're aware, Francesca, as part of my MBA, um, I undertook a research project, and I was looking at the intersection of professional identity through the menopause transition that impacts on career longevity or career cessation and I was really looking at the cognitive side effects and whether the fact that if you've got brain fog and you're tired mm. and you can't concentrate and you're forgetful whether that affects your ability to do your job and then leads exactly. you to decide not to take on extra projects or not to take on responsibility but as I was going through the, that research, what I found as well was that there were there were things that I found that were unexpected to me. So one of them was no role models, really. So our generation, um, women really only came into the workplace in the 70s. And even then, um, you know, they had to leave if they got married or got pregnant, you know. Okay, exactly. So 
we're the really the first generation to be juggling both a career and uh, childcare. And actually, awesome. quite a lot of of us in our, our peer group are. Um, you know the the providers for the family so have the financial pressures exactly. as well exactly. as the child care pressures and let's face it, uh, it Francis, still is women we are the classic what they call sandwich generation where we are still looking after our children which even if they are more grown up but equally we are becoming parents of our own parents so we, you know, sadly, some of our parents, because of the advance in medicine, they're living longer, but it means that doesn't mean that sometimes they're in a good house. So we ended up being the carers. Yeah, absolutely. So we're doing all of those things. Um, so we didn't have those role models in the workplace. If I remember looking at the senior leaders who were women and they behaved like men, they weren't, you Correct. know, warm and yeah. fuzzy. They were hard, driven worked long hours, um, you know, didn't, didn't, weren't really sort of hands on with childcare. So the role models I was seeing weren't like me at all. And mm -hmm. I couldn't be that way. I, I actually, I did try when I was in my first sort of leadership positions to be more that way, but it was exhausting. It was absolutely exhausting to but pretend to be something that I wasn't. It's going back to the beginning of the conversation about bringing yourself and being authentic. So then you go on additional work apart from being a mother or a care, and your job is as well trying to be someone that is no you. So it's another job. Exactly, yeah. And and it, it is exhausting. Um, the other thing that I found it really interesting was that there were a lot of women I spoke to who were um, really senior, had loads of experience. And when I asked them about their desire to progress to the next level, they said, no, I don't want to because I've seen what happened to my boss. I've seen the 24-7 emails. I've seen the expectation of being on call, of answering emails. Right. And I don't want that. I don't want it. It's not worth it. The trade-off is not worth it for me. So if okay. we want women to stay in organisations and progress to senior levels, we have to change that presenteeism culture. We've got to have um, a culture where what you do, your productivity, is what you're judged on, not the fact that you are on emails at 10 o'clock at night. It's, it's really it's really toxic. Um, and that will bring another topic for our next podcast is about the flexible working hybrid, the future of work. So that's another element there. And you probably have seen in the news a lot of controversy, people for and against and with the new changes. So I, I think this is an important element there on how, you know, the flexibility of the ability to manage your work-life balance is important, again, to bring your authenticity. I just want to build a little bit on, because I was planning to ask you that a little bit later, but as you just wrote um, quite timely, uh, the, the subject of your dissertation uh, as part of your MBA, and, you know, I, I, you already explained why you decided to, to choose that, uh, that topic. What did you think it has been the best learning you know, of having done that research? Oh, it's, I think there's so many different levels. I think on a personal level, when I was thinking about, you know, that when you start on the MBA and you've got all these modules ahead of you <laughs> and you know that you're going to be 
weekends there's going to be sacrifices that's right and there are times when you're like oh, I just can't read anymore I can't <laughs> write anymore you know this is I've got another assignment to write um exactly. <laughs> you know and our assignments were what sort of they started off at sort of three and a half thousand and went up to about five thousand words and then the research project is fifteen thousand words plus twenty percent so when I first thought about that I thought oh I'm you know that's such a big piece of work how am I going to do that and my whole career, I have avoided jobs where I've had written deliverables because I hate writing reports. Um, <laughs> and I was a CRA and I hated doing monitoring reports. So I was like, oh, I don't want to do that anymore. I'll, I'll be a project manager. And then it was, well, you have to write status reports. And I'll, right, we'll be a line manager then. And <laughs> little did I know how much work appraisals would be. Um, exactly. But, I, <laughs> but actually, that's... Um, that experience has really left me not feeling afraid of tackling difficult things. Okay. Um, so that's one. Um, networking, that's the other, one of the other things I've learned is like how important it is to build relationships across organisations. That's right. Because mm -hmm. you learn so much from people. And, and, and the joy of, I absolutely loved interviewing people which is probably why we ended up with this podcast Francisco oh, because yes. it's an opportunity to do that <laughs> people's stories are so interesting I mean I've just felt absolutely privileged talking to some of the extraordinary women that I spoke to and um you know you're probably the same with your with your project when you did it you know you're sort of like oh, thinking yeah. oh now now I want to do this now exactly. I want to do that now I want to interview yeah. these people and I'm really exactly. interested so well, that's why we were doing this because is we discover as you say the beauty of giving that space to people to that voice because actually to the point you had made earlier when you know oh you just came to work and then you do home or whatever then you don't have the opportunity to really go behind the surface, you know, and you could discover and learn so much, as you say, of that network, which is women, I think, typically, we haven't been very good at that. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. We're not, we, we don't tend to push ourselves forward very much. And so we're not perhaps the best at that. I know I'm not very good at selling myself. Um, so that's a, another, um, I guess, learning um, along the way is how to you know, have conversations with people. And there's nothing like doing an MBA to be able to speak to a VP somewhere and say, and everybody was just so welcoming and, That's you know, fine. brilliant within the organisation we were in. They were just, you know, oh, of course I'll come and talk to you and, you know, very generously giving up their time That's so that true. we could speak to them. But um, And then yeah. one thing I have caught my attention talking to you uh, now when you were answering my question is, you know, you keep talking about bringing yourself, you know, that authenticity and all of that, uh, and the different scenarios that you had described along your career. Do you have any particular examples where, you know, or, or, or what do you think that the people most misunderstood about you or misunderstand typically about you? What do you think? I think most people think I'm an extrovert. And uh -huh. I'm not. Because I mean, that was my next question if you've considered yourself being an introvert or extrovert. So that's two questions in one. <laughs> yeah, I'm I am an I'm an extrovert. Uh, I'm an introvert, but I have this extrovert coating. I've learned to be extrovert, but actually it comes at quite a lot of emotional cost. So yeah. 
if I had to do a three-day meeting face-to-face, I would be exhausted for two weeks afterwards. Mm -hmm. You know, it really drains me. Um, And I've only, it's only really in the last five years or so that I've really become confident about drawing boundaries around my work in a way that's effective for me. Mm-hmm. So I don't do back-to-back meetings anymore. I always have a break. I need time to think and I need time to process information. I need time to be able to to do that. So um, you know, I plan my week now so I have that space and that makes me more productive. I also get a lot of energy from learning. So uh-huh. I actively go and listen to podcasts and listen to, uh, you know, TED Talks and videos and read books. And I, I really love that. I think that's probably why I love talking to people, because I really love hearing different perspectives. And I like to have my um, my thoughts challenged. You know, uh-huh. I really, really do like that. And I think most people, when they meet me, as in in work, in my professional life, most people meet me as a senior director. They assume that I'm going to be very unapproachable mm. or quite distant. Right. And I think that's what people get surprised by is that I'm actually, um, I, I don't really recognise hierarchy in that way. You know, I think um, for me, you know, I like to be one of the team. Of course, I've, you know, you've got to be making decisions and the, the responsibility is there. That's that's mine to take. But that doesn't mean that I have to do everything that, you know, there are usually fa- fantastic people around you who um, have got better skills than me. in areas and ally and, and sponsors to support you and, you know, to give you that space, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the, the funny thing is, I was, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. And, and when you're in an organisation, people read your CV when you apply for a job, but they mm. never look at it again. Yeah, that's true. And, I, and I've certainly felt that in organisations that I have loads of skill sets, mm. which never get utilised. And then when I, I go, well, actually, I'd be really interested in doing that. People go, well, why? You know, what they makes put you, you qualified to do sometimes. that? Sometimes they put yes. you in a box and they don't yeah. really, you know, some how much do you have to offer? Um, Emma, uh, we've got about five minutes left of the time today, and I just want to be respectful of the time we have as well, especially your time, and give you as well the space. You know, I want to make sure, you know, being truthful to our vision <laughs> and values that uh, we are giving you the platform. So I got two questions, the last one for the last five minutes of today. The first one is, is there anything that I should have asked you and I haven't today and you would like to say something? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. What would I like... Oh, I don't know. Gosh, I'm I'm such an open book. I'm happy to answer any questions. Um, I think the one thing that we haven't really spoken about on this forum is some of the um, challenges that I have with my mental health. Okay. Which um, that could be the topic for another podcast then. Definitely perhaps. could. So definitely could. Is it full on for you then? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, def- I think that's a really good, would be a really good topic because despite definitely. the fact that I've had my challenges with my own mental health and I at work have always been really, really supportive of 
I, I think I like to treat people as people. And, you know, I think 99% of people come to work to do a good job. And if you create the right environment for them, they will be successful. And when people are having a tough time, you can't be on your game all the time. You, you absolutely can't be. Nobody can be. Um, and I'm really respectful of that with other people. But when I return to work after, after my absence, um, because of my mental health, I still felt the overarching stigma there. Um, yeah, it took me a long time to start talking about it because I was worried that I would not be able to progress in the organisation. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That okay, possession, so I'm perception sure of being that to cope. Uh, an important topic to give you the full attention that you deserve <laughs> in one of our next episodes. Um, on your last kind of a little bit under three minutes, the mic is yours. So as we say, as a vision of our postcard is to give a platform. So last words, anything that you want to say about yourself in the last few minutes for the purpose of our very first podcast? Um, gosh, you know me, Francisca, I can talk and talk and talk. So um, do you know one of the, the lovely things I think about when you interview someone is that when you feel listened to, it's it's magical you know i think i i i I've spoke, spoken somewhere else before about um again another topic my men, my own menopause journey and um having lots of difficulties with that and then i actually paid for a private consultation with a with a clinician to 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 go through my menopause history and and to get my treatment and i had a whole hour of somebody listening to me wow. and feeling really seen somebody really understanding what was going on for me and not trying to project onto me what they thought were the issues, not trying to give me a box standard solution that didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. So I would say, you know, in the last little bit is that how valuable that is and to to give that floor to other people, you know, to give that space to the people that you're with whether that's people at work or whether that's people at home whether that's your neighbor somebody in your community you know give space to listen to people's stories because they are so interesting and that makes that person feel valued and um you know we all need a little bit of that in the world we all need to feel like we're valued that opportunity to again just to circle back to that sense of authenticity and going back to that sense of belonging. So you don't need to be anyone else apart from Emma and Mallory's. So thank you so much for your time, Emma, and for answering so candidly and open the questions for our very first podcast. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Francisca. It's always such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. <laughs> you have been listening to Hidden Voices with Emma and Francisca. If you've enjoyed the content, then please do like rate and review on your favorite podcast platform whether that's on uh, apple podcasts or spotify uh, you can find us on both and if you have a topic that you think we would be interested in talking about then please do drop us a line emma at hiddenvoicespodcast.com or francisca at hiddenvoicespodcast.com until next time thank you for listening (laughs) 